If you don't like what we tell you to believe in, we'll kill you. Stuff.biz. And we're back again with another round of Bean is Gone Dent on the uh, This is the good stuff. The right stuff. White people, you really need to listen to this. Oh, I should put the candy canes away. My Beanus hurts from doing all this content. All this Beanus content. Well, we're going to have fun today. We're supposed to be joined by the, the Southern AF podcast crew. Uh, Southern Dingo and Boer Jack. I don't know what time they're going to join us. We'll, we'll, we'll pause then because, you know, Dinko, he kind of runs on color people time because those are his people. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he kind of had like just like to call back. I know for you people, it's like the call back all the way to last week. For me, it's like call back to 20 minutes ago. He kind of has like one of those big square like Olmec heads. He has like the, <laughs> wi- like the wide nose and just like yeah, the that's not nice. he's kind of like, kind of symmetrical. I'm, I've never seen him in a helmet before, but. Kind of look. He kind of looks that way. So hopefully he'll be here. I don't know if he'll be here on time because you know, just that's how niggers are. You just can't count on them. But we're gonna do that show. That's gonna be fun. Uh, we just found. We were just looking at something that's not fun. That I guess we're gonna do now. And I think Mike is reading it. But uh, yeah, this I I heard about this. Yeah, because we were just really because it's really, we, it's really our, shitty. In, in, in our t- setting, in our timeline, we just finished doing the Miles Power Hour like twenty minutes ago. So uh, this, I was looking at this during, right. but we ran, kind of ran out of time, and we had to do this. So we'll do this now. But uh, Garamar is Garamar Rudolph is like, stepped down from Castle Hill, and basically, is, I guess yeah, he's on the a run. A number, well, a number of terrible of things, things happened, happened at yeah, once to Castle having Hill, having yeah. to do with some. Uh, I'll just read their blog post. This is this is the mountain. This is the mountains of evidence. The Holocaust is real, and the Jews don't run the entire world. These are mountain. This is part of the mountain. What's what we're about right. to tell you about. So this is December 15th, 2022. We had to deal with three major obstacles this past year. Castle Hill is what publishes the Holocaust handbooks. Yeah. Ingram Content Group canceling our printing, distribution, and order fulfillment contract. Barclays Bank in the UK closing our British account. And thus our last banking stronghold in Europe. And our CEO, Grimar Rudolph, resigning from his leadership position at Kodo and Castle Hill and taking an extended leave of absence. Let me address them in sequence. As we reported earlier this year in a blog post, the General Assembly of the United Nations ratified a resolution introduced by Germany and Israel on January 20th, 2022, which calls for all governments in the world to do everything possible to combat and suppress Holocaust revisionism. Since both Kodo and Castle Hill have been singled out for decades by government and NGO watchdog organizations in the U.S., U.K., Germany, and Israel, among other countries, for being the only entities left that produce new and relevant revisionist material, you didn't need to be a rocket scientist to figure out what was coming. After eight years of flawless cooperation, Castle Hill's partner for multinational book printing, distribution, and order fulfillment, the almighty Ingram Content Group, canceled the contract just four days after the above-mentioned UN resolution had passed, claiming that retailers had been complaining about Castle Hill's type of books. 
Ingram has a monopoly on book distribution in the U.S., and Amazon controls some 70% of all new book sales here, Mm. hence also of Ingram's turnover. Each time we publish a new book, Ingram's live data feed into Amazon's websites had it show up there. Amazon was... If you're hearing my voice right now, something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. Unless this is just how you want to live. Who am I to tell people to stop listening to free content that's constantly interrupted, that has to deal with my voice and whatever audio quality this is going to come out in? Who am I to tell people that they should be getting behind the paywall at the right stuff dot biz slash paywall? Especially if they're not white, which I assume that's what, what you probably are if you're hearing my voice right now. This is... That's just that's just my assumption. I could be wrong, but I mean, if you're not white legally, you do have to tell me that you're not white. This was I told Sven that I'd I'd record some commercials for him, and at first I thought I was going to put some effort into it, but then I realized why don't I just ramble in the dumbest way possible and force you to listen to it because that's what you're doing right now. You are listening to this. What it, Mike was probably saying something very interesting, something very insightful, and now you're listening to me. Is this really what you want? Is this is this how you want to live? Do you want to be non-white? Because again, that's I just assume that's what you are. You could always fix that. You could rectify this problem by going to the right stuff slash paywall and getting yourself a subscription, and then you'll never have to hear me again, you know, unless I'm filling it or something. Harassed by the usual enemies of free speech for again offering one of our books. They had to manually delete it, but the game would start all over once we issued a new edition, which we do regularly. Finally, sick of this futile whack-a-mole game, Amazon, no doubt with the UN resolution in hand, went to Ingram telling them to stop the charade at the source by kicking us out for good, which they promptly did. Mm. Since Ingram's database also feeds into all kinds of databases abroad, all our books suddenly disappeared from the national and international book markets. We lost some 50% of our turnover in the U.S. and our entire turnover from overseas as we don't have any printing warehousing and order fulfillment outlets in the U.K. or Australia, but Ingram does. As a consequence, we had to completely reorganize the way we operate. We had to find a new printing partner in the U.S., reformat all cover artwork to fit their specs, invest into a complete reprint of everything, get ourselves a small warehouse locally, equip it with shelving basic equipment, and shipping supplies so we can do order fulfillment ourselves and then repeat the procedure also Mm. in Europe and or the UK somehow to recover that market as well. Just a week after the UN resolution, Barclays Bank in the UK, with whom we had our business banking since 2007 and never had any problems, opened some investigation by requesting more details about what our business was about. Then three weeks later, they told us unceremoniously that they will close all our accounts, citing a passage in the agreement that simply allows them to close whatever account they want, whenever they please, period. Since business had become pretty much impossible for Castle Hill in the UK, with Brexit making exports to EU countries borderline impossible and banking being canceled, we decided it's time to pack up and leave. Castle Hill was officially sold by its UK owner to Kodo on April 8th, 2022, and Kodo reorganized it as a single-member, non-neglected, limited liability company, Castle Hill Publishing, LLC. Hmm. Our attempts at establishing a printing, warehousing, and order fulfillment solution in the UK, Europe for our English language material hit unexpected resistance. (laughs) We realize that many British printers are now mortally afraid to get involved in the production of printed matters that could violate Britain's 2017 anti-revisionist law, although that law requires that Holocaust denial happens concurrently and in conjunction with disparaging the victims. 
which is something Castle Hill does not do. Right. Any printer accepting our printing jobs would be legally required to thoroughly read and correctly assess all our material before printing it to make sure it does not contain anything legally hazardous. No printer will invest that amount of time and effort. They simply turn down the job, and that's the end of that. When the first consequence of the UN resolution hit, Castle Hill in early 2022, our then-CEO, Grandma Rudolph, predicted that he expects them to go after him personally next, and that is what happened this past summer. This is not the place to divulge exactly what has been happening. Suffice this to say that Rudolph dropped all responsibilities at Kodo and Castle Hill this past summer and disappeared from the face of the earth in early fall. His whereabouts are currently unknown. Additionally to us, by the way, I haven't heard hide nor hair. I didn't know about this until last week. I didn't even know about this. Right. Rudolph's main vulnerabilities are that his application to become a U.S. citizen was terminally rejected in 2020. And that the German authorities have issued numerous arrest warrants against him for reasons that are yet unknown. However, with some 80 new revisionist books or new editions of older books in the German language published over the past 10 years with Rudolph as a production manager, it's easy to understand why they want him locked away. Although those German arrest warrants cannot be enforced in the U.S. due to the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, but the German government's a private entity. They can do whatever they want, right? They could do whatever they want. Rudolph's, also, I wouldn't I wouldn't assume that the U.S. wouldn't just – I mean, in theory, the U.S. shouldn't extradite you to Germany if the only complaint is free speech, which no, it is. No, the American – America had, should be, like, making hay out of, like, opposing doing that. This should be, like – this should be an actual cause for political asylum. Mm-hmm. And he has it applied is. for it. Yeah. And he's, he – remember when he told us that yeah. his, uh, his caseworker thought he had a slam-dunk case and was shocked – when yeah. word came down from somewhere to just reject it with no explanation. Yeah. When the caseworker was like, but this is like open and shut case of political asylum. Well, it's an open and shut and case the, of, and the and of, the State Department was like, yeah, no. Nah. It's open and shut no case of, of disemboweling the the ruling well, who, I mean, foundation who of runs our entire the fucking State Department. Right. Yeah. It's the right. it's the people I won't disparage while denying their uh, massive right. uh, war atrocity that was uh, done against them. Right. Allegedly. So 80 new, uh, yeah. So um, Rudolph's German passport expired in 2019, and Germany refused to issue him a new one. His green card in the U.S. expired in 2021, and U.S. authorities followed Germany's lead by refusing to issue him a new one. You get the picture. They are trying mm-hmm. to entrap him, and then play the same dirty trick on him and his family as they did in 2005: arrest, deport, put into a German dungeon, and throw away the key. Yeah. In the meanwhile, Castle Hill is getting reorganized once more so it can survive this increasingly hostile environment, even without Grimar Rudolph's involvement. We appreciate your patience, support for this drawn-out, difficult process. So, yes, and so they got a new CEO. And I mean, this is um, on the castlehill.shop website, um, and I urge people to go there and buy something, support them. You know, buy the Chemistry of Auschwitz, buy – some of these books, um, buy a bunch of them. They probably still, I didn't uh, look, but they have electronic editions as well. You can get EPUBs and PDFs from them, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And you get those immediately delivered. And you can also just donate to them yeah, when you too. buy. I always include, like, yeah. I always round my order up to the whatever the next, like, $100 amount is if I order. So I'm always donating something. I haven't ordered books from them in a while because I basically have all of the books. Yeah. There's only like a couple of them I don't have. Um, so yeah, it's, that's, that, there it is. I mean, actually there's a couple new books out that I want to get. Mm. Uh, the Sonder Commando, <laughs> Auschwitz, there's like a three, a three-parter 
on Sonic Commando reports, which should be fun. That should actually be really fun. Yeah, that's that would be a lot of conflicting first part, uh, first person. Just be funny. Just be, be funny. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's terrible yeah. news. I feel I mean terrible. I mean, imagine like this is not supposed to happen in America. You're not supposed to go to. You're not supposed to be subject of law enforcement abuse because of uh, no, I mean, things that you it, say. It, look, if he's going to be put in jail in his home country for nothing but things that he wrote, he needs the to, content of what he wrote shouldn't matter. Yeah, right. Unless it was like CSAM, but that's actually illegal. It's like that's not free speech. It's like in America that's, that's supposed to that's diametrically opposed to what this country's supposed to say. Oh hey Goy, Herschel here. Are you listening to a free fag episode of the Daily Shower? Do you need a small personal loan so you can afford a paywall subscription? I may be able to help you out. For the very low price of just $10 a month, you can listen to Mike finish his talking points without annoying promotional bits like this one. Log on to therightstuff.biz slash paywall and pick the payment option that best suits your white man's agency level. E-checks, money order by mail, or cryptocurrency. Support TRS's efforts in shutting down yids like me. Stand for. Ask anybody. Yes. Oh, but the yes. Holocaust... Including of- the caseworker... <clears throat> Including his asylum caseworker yeah. thought so, but yeah. no, it's pathetic. No. But here we are. It's really just like yeah. It's so because they, it's because these are. Jews um, have no power, and it's because this this right. this war atrocity committed by the Third Reich is so unassailable. It's there's so much evidence, there's so much proof that only a crazy person would say it did it happen. Only a crazy person, only a only a hateful, bigoted, blah blah blah, and. Theoretically, you're not supposed to go to jail for being hateful and bigoted either, or being crazy. They don't put anybody away for being crazy. You're crazy. Here, no, have you a, get out of jail for being. No, crazy. you get here. Have some have some like beachfront property in like uh, Southern California. Here's a tent. There's a beach. Yeah. Go pitch your tent in front of that beach. You crazy person. You have fun with your drugs yeah. and go surfing or something. And the thing is, though, no matter <sighs> what they do, like this body of work yeah. that was generated by Castle Hill Publishers in the last 15 years is probably some of the most solid, complete, and impressive scholarship on this issue ever produced. I mean, they've produced volumes more than the Holocaust industry itself has ever produced. To to my knowledge, nobody's ever committed any kind of crime because of something they've read from this particular publisher or anybody. I don't know of any situation where someone has done anything due to Holocaust denial itself. No, they haven't. There was one gay op. They, they, one of these gay ops where they they gay op somebody or somebody's doing some gay op stuff or something, and they arrest them and they show all this shit in their house. I remember a while ago, there was one of these guys that got I can't remember which case it was, and he had the chemistry of Auschwitz, which they tried it out amongst his collection yeah. of like Mein Kampf and Siege, and then there's like the chemistry <laughs> of Auschwitz and stuff, right? But, but it's like whatever. Like I actually that, don't that, have a that, copy that, of that, that, that's, that's not the same as having a manifesto where you you say, well, I was reading Gemar Rudolph and I decided I needed to kill all the Jews. Yeah, he's never he's never even cited in even any so of these, that's not like, crazy that's not their intent. Things. That's not their intent. That even yeah, it doesn't that, even that's not an indictment either. on them either. If somebody does do that stuff, that's not their fault. Which they yeah they could gin something like that up. Like they they're trying to go after. I know that they're trying to go after they, all the people mentioned in the Buffalo Shooters they, manifestos they if this, they had something to do with it. Like fuck they, you. They treat this far worse than CSAM. Oh yeah. Oh no, this is actually a problem. CSAM isn't even a problem. I mean, and you remember. Um, there was an attempt using like gen- the January 6th thing to, you know, I, there was, who was that? Um, 
who is it that there was the FBI guy, uh, that, that, that fucking poofed FBI guy that goes on NBC. He's like an ex FBI agent. And he's talking about how, um, you know, the people that, uh, it, it was something like one of these shootings or something like that. And he was like, Oh, the people that were doing January 6th were like incited by Tucker Carlson and people that were hurt should sue him. And so this is how they want to do it. This is how the Jews are hoping to start doing this stuff is like civil suits, from people like in, in incidents happen. And if somebody says I was looking at this material, then they, they sue that person because they can't get anything out of the perpetrator. Cause they're either like a criminal, which is funny because there's already, or, there's already a ton of precedent against that. Like this is like, this all happened in the in 80s theory, with yeah. music, like people that did this or that and blamed like Judas priest. Right. You know, right. it's like this and, stuff has already been Jews, settled. Used to mock it because it was their content that people were complaining about. Right. But now um, they want to overturn. They, they've got like Jew lawyers working on arguments to like overturn that right. shit. And that's why, like, you know, although I remember when they were doing the Charlottesville trial, Natasha Leonard, who's a Jewish anarchist, Antifa, or she's a Jew who works the Antifa beat, right? She's that's her, one of her jobs. And she's also the one who probably doxed me because when my docs came out, she was the first one to tweet it. Mm. And the writing style of the article is just like hers. She's probably the one that wrote it up and everything. And every time it every time it got taken down, because we got it taken down from a few things, and then it would go back up. She would tweet it where it went back up. So, like, in any case, uh, it was probably her that did it. And anyway, she was uh, she wrote an article when the Charlottesville suit was going on about how civil litigation is like how we're going to censor people in the future and blah, blah, blah. So. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, so that's definitely a vector. But whatever. It doesn't. The main thing is, though, that like even taking that angle, they need some kind of like problems. They need some kind of damages to happen to people. And they just don't. So like mm. from us, from our, from our corner. So it's like just fuck you. Um, and uh, in any case. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually kind of interested to see what their, their new formatted edition looks like. Looks like, but uh, maybe I'll buy all the ones I don't have. And there's some other books I want to order from them. They have um, one of their bestsellers is actually Thomas Dalton's little book. It's uh, it's looking at the co- uh, column here, the Jewish hand in the World Wars, and that's an interesting little book. And a mm. lot of it's about how Jews. Um, actually, it's almost all of it's about. Uh, how, how Jews dragged the United States into the great war. But I received for Christmas this little, book. yes, the eighth crusade, which I is thought you was from Bozor, which I thought because it was, or is it from a listener? There. Well, this is pretty annoying. You don't want to hear my voice. You want to hear uh, Mike finish his thought, huh? But uh, you can't because you don't have a subscription. You should go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall. Bag it. You gave it to me the other night. I gave you two different things. I don't know which is which. I don't know who said okay. it. I think this was from a listener. If this was from a listener. I think it was from a listener. Then thank you. If this was from Borzoi, then thank you. But I think Borzoi sent me a different book. Anyway, um, I've been reading it. This is a fascinating little book. Yeah. Okay. It's called The Eighth Crusade, Uncensored Disclosures of a British Staff Officer. Now, this British staff officer has been later identified to be Lieutenant Colonel Taylor Waters. Waters? Now, I don't know who that person is. I never heard of them before, but they're only on Amazon. They're actually listed as the author of this book, which you can actually theoretically still order. So I would do it before they get rid of it. <laughs> um, it's worth a read. 
this edition does not have the name of the guy because he wrote, published it in 19, I think he, 1939. He published it. And at that time, it would have been very dangerous in Britain to have published something like this. Mm. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, but like I said, when I got the book the other night, you know, a book is going to be lit when it just starts like, Part one, Part Zionism. One, Zionism. <laughs> <laughs> so what this book is, it says, um, it says uh, the author, a retired and competent British officer of high rank, and f- is fully conversant with the problems he discusses. His experience while serving in an exceptional capacity under foreign under the Foreign Office as well as the War Office afforded him deep insight into every aspect of the situation in Palestine and the Near East. This lends greater weight to his statements, which are no way exaggerated, but are all based on personal experience acquired from actual contact with contemporary events and from knowledge derived from thorough examination of the facts. Basically, the beginning is sort of like a history of Zionism, but it very quickly brings you up to date with the late uh, late 19th century and early 20th century and then Zionist machinations hmm. uh, in World War One. Of which, of which they did not actually remain. They did not actually. They were undecided on until 1916, which is when this guy says they they received under the table the unofficial promises of the Allied side for uh, Palestine. At which point, the full weight of the Jewish community went behind the Allies and against Germany. The uh, International Zionist Organization moved out of Berlin to New York City. And uh, basically everything follows from there. And the Balfour Declaration came in, uh, I think it was February or November of 1917. But don't, don't, don't make me a liar. It definitely was in 1917. I think it was February of 1917. Could be lying about that though. But uh, soon after the United States joined the war, or before it was, it, it came out. It came out soon after the United States joined the war. But the agreements had all been made behind November second, November second, nineteen seventeen. Right, and I believe the United States entered the war in February of nineteen seventeen. If I'm not mistaken on this, if I'm not lying on any of this stuff. Anyway, the uh, those agreements, according to this guy, had all been made in 2016, and I totally believe it. There's no reason not to believe it, and it's sort of it's like part one of this book is a history of the Zionist movement generally. Part two is um, part two is basically about the treaties at the end of World War II and, or end of World War One and how those were all structured. And part three is his personal experiences, things he directly observed as a staff officer under General Allenby, who was the general that was in charge of the Near East, although he never wanted that position, and then at the Paris Peace Conference of 1919. Mm. So this is going to be – I haven't gotten to that part yet. That's going to be very fascinating. The first chapter is a lot of this shit. Like I was like, I knew that. I knew that. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. Like there's just like so much stuff. I got to a point where he's just like listing names of like British counts and viscounts and, and like minor nobles who are also huge bankers. And like who all their various agents are. One of the funny things about reading this type of work, and you even read it, it's not just him, it's even in Carol Quigley, is they'll talk about a person who did stuff and they'll say they the notorious agent of this or that. Like so it was known some of these figures were were working on behalf of this larger organization or this this large uh person, right? This so an example, like even Carol Quigley says, um, you know, JP Morgan 
was a Rothschild agent. So they always say, oh, J.P. Morgan, one of the biggest bankers in America, not a Jew. Well, he was effectively a representative of the Rothschild in America. Um, so it's just really interesting. I mean, it, it starts off just like right with a bang. Like, let me just read a few paragraphs from the beginning. Why can't says, I Jewish- find it on Amazon? What's the... What's- the Eighth Crusade. Put put the Eighth Crusade British staff officer. You'll get it. Okay. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I got it, but um, it it might not even be still available. I, I don't know. It yes, looks like the one it. there was one available to order. I could be wrong. Uncensored disclosures not, of a British staff officer. Yep. Right. Got it right here. So he says the Jewish. This is pretty annoying, huh? All this can go away. You bought a paywall. Rightstuff.biz slash paywall. You can use crypto, e-checks, mail in a money order, or even use your credit card on Sven's Odyssey channel. The link will be below in the show notes. That's the rightstuff.biz slash paywall. Community, a oh. social order peculiar to Jewry, currently unavailable, constitutes an unmitigated power for evil which for 20 centuries has undermined civilization in every quarter of the globe. Immune to outside influence, it has functioned according to its own arbitrary laws in defiance and to the detriment of the countries upon which its members have battened. In the reign of Augustus, Jewish political councils were formed, which concealed under the cloak of religion the grasping aims of an all-powerful clique. During the siege of Jerusalem by Vespasian, this clique won the favor of the Roman conquerors and was rewarded by the imperial government with a mandate for the administration of Palestine on the strength of which the clique constituted itself a governing body with absolute powers. This government was known as the Cabal, i.e. the community or commonwealth. Wherever Jewish immigrants settled, they founded communities. And by the end of the second century AD, nearly every province of the Roman Empire had at least one such Jewish colony. These communities, each of which was self-contained miniature Cabal, were affiliated to the central parent body upon which their existence depended to strengthen its control and advance Jewish interests. The cabal developed and perfected that elaborate system of espionage and insidious subversion, which it still maintains a system, which explains the concentration of power and trade in the hands of Jews, wherever they have settled in sufficient numbers. So yeah, that's how it starts. So it's actually interesting. The way he talks about Jews is like, basically planting little colonies called communities, which are their own mini hierarchies answerable to a larger hierarchy, which is actually a very good way of describing how they work. Um, And the communities uh, enjoy a lot of wealth and privileges. And that comes at the, because they also then follow the diktats from above. Um, But yeah, so the Jewish, Jewish community, the Jewish so-called community, the cabal is organized in a hierarchical fashion. Uh, it is a very top-down hierarchical organization, and most Jews are at least part or or involved or derive privileges from membership in any one such localized Jewish community. And then there's the overall big-time one, which is like the Salzburgers, the Greenblatts, the Soroses, the Singers, etc. Like those are the top-level ones. Anyway, yeah, there's a lot here. It goes into very big detail about World War One, how Jews were involved in uh, continuing it, how they were involved in taking sides, bringing America into the war as the decisive way for the allies to win and to destroy Germany. And that was all, as we said before, because they promised Palestine to the Jews. And he talks about uh, general Allenby's invasion. And it's something also, it's sort of funny in Carol Quigley's book. 
in the chapter on World War One, he talks about towards the end, why did Allenby invade Palestine? It does it's like it didn't make any military sense. Mm-hmm. And he and he says that here too, but he says he tells you why. Carol Quigley pretends to be confused. And it's like get the fuck That's out. That's really here. funny. That is really yeah. funny. Like why is like she just dynamic silence, Carol. What's, what's the yeah. deal here? Like why even why even mention it if you don't know? <sighs> Imagine being like a, a a scholar like that with that fucking thick ass doorstop of a book and pretending to be mystified by a world of it. Like isn't this your specialty? Like trying to like he just, explain like, these it things? Off. It's just yeah. like. I just can't imagine the, the so, hit yeah, to so the... He, anything really important... Like, there's a lot of interesting Jew stuff in that book, but you have to read between lines. But anything really important mm. that he, he, like, he's uncomfortable, it's, like, amazing how, how how slickly he, like, fails to address it. Now, one of the things he talks about, and this is, like, the betrayal of the Arabs, which is funny because if you've ever seen the movie Lawrence of Arabia, mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to talk about T.E. Lawrence in here, but T.E. Lawrence was a British agent whose job was to go to the Arabs, and have, have uh, recruit them in a guerrilla campaign against the Turks. Mm-hmm. The Turks were allied with the Germans, and the whole point was to basically give tell them Britain is on your side. Britain favors democracy and liberation. <laughs> we want to liberate you from the Ottoman Empire. You're going to be, uh, you know, um, you will be self, uh, you know, self governing or whatever. We won't. We we just want your help to to beat the Turks in the in the bargain. You get you get your emancipation or you get your, you know, you get your yeah. independence. And then at the end of the movie of Lawrence of Arabia, it's a good movie. Uh, you see Lawrence is disgusted at the uh, conference. I don't know if it was Paris or what, where the, the Sykes Pico agreement and the other colonial agreements on how to divide up the middle East were, were put. And he like storms out of the conference and he's enraged and he just goes back to Britain and becomes a recluse. Because he was so outraged that he did all this and he had to look all these Arabs that he made friends with in the eye and they were looking at him like, what the fuck? Like, we did what we were supposed to do. Look at what you've done. And uh, he was just he was completely outraged by that. And he actually wrote his book, The Seven Pillars of Wisdom, uh, and only available to like wealthy subscribers, people that like personally sent him money to get the book. And he he's fiercely critical of this, but I don't think he mentions the Jews. That would be interesting. And I have to look. Maybe if you can get it now, it's all edited because Lawrence of Arabia is like kind of a popular figure. Yeah. But um, he doesn't mention T. E. Lawrence at all in this that I can see. But it's still that's a sort of a famous romanticized account of all of this, which is in fact it's just a sordid story of them just getting the Arabs. Hey everybody, Jordan Peterson here. I wrote a book about twelve rules for how to live your life. And I have a 13th rule for you. Subscribe to TRS. Go to therightstuff.biz slash paywall and pick the payment option that best suits your needs. To do their dirty work and then stabbing them in the back. Another reason that Arabs have to hate the fucking Zionists. Right. So, yeah. And then Zionism is never even close to mentioned in Lawrence of Arabia. Either the mo- the movie or maybe it's in the book. I don't know. I haven't read The Seven Pillars of Wisdom, so I don't know. No, I, I just remember. But, yeah. from, I remember from the days of like the, what do they call it? The Gwat? Great War on Terror, Global War on Terror. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like anytime Watch. you're like, anytime you're talking about the Arabs and the Muslims, it's like there's always it's always framed up as like this this great, uh, you know, millennia long battle of Christianity versus Islam. It's like the Jews might not as well might as well not exist. They're just like along for the ride, you know. There's never it's also a, just like not true. Yeah. It's like there's been conflicts and and alliances. Well, over I remember time there. Arabs, I, well, I remember know? there being like you you could have a fierce argument with like a with an Arab like a Muslim or something about this shit. I'm like remember remember that dumb like libertarian Arab girl, Sarah Harvard. Remember her? 
Oh, oh, she, oh yeah. she would. Yeah. She would. She, she claimed she was Jewish. Oh, did she? I remember her taking on. I think she said she would. No, she was saying she was Muslim because it was like cool. No, so I'm saying she was always yeah. saying. I figured she was a Muslim because she was brown and stuff. But she always took on. She always took on the identity of like this this oppressed, like embattled, yeah, like un- misunderstood Muslim, and just 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 knacks all thing all day. And it was all about crusades and you ignorant white people that are just attacking the Muslim holy lands all the time. With your knights and your it's just well, she, she, the girl was just dumb yeah she was just stupid she just is an example <laughs> she's not the only one she's just the dumbest one that sticks out in my head her and her her and her easy mac you're fucking i'm sure she had just been trained i mean she was just trained yeah. by jews to say yeah that's what i'm shit, saying this right? was all this was all this was part of a this was like a narrative that was out there all over the place you know 10 15 years ago something like that yeah. it was like you know you're you're upset that barack hussein obama is a the muslim Secret, yeah, secret Muslim. I mean, and, he calls it the Eighth Crusade because yeah. he talks about it is like the final time Europe tried to conquer the Holy Land. This time they did, but except they did it on behalf of Jews. Yeah, right. No, the you, Europe was conquered in that one. <laughs> Somebody else got the Holy Land. Yeah, and, and yeah, Europe, someone else conquered, and the rest of the uh, Anglosphere. Nothing for these guys yet. All right. Yes. Yeah, so he's specifically talking about Sir Edmund Allenby. Uh, uh, Egyptian expeditionary force and their invasion of Palestine in 1917. And the fact that this was like kind of actually a disaster, but um, it, it's also like, why, why would you do this? You just what you won. Well, right. <laughs> because that was the prize all along. And unless they got that, the war was never going to end. The whole, literally Jews weren't going to let the war end until that had happened. Right. Until they, until, until Palestine fell under British control. That was the whole point of extending it. Uh-oh. Sarah Harvard's still around. No, well, she's still around. Sarah Suzuki Harvard car oh, dealership. Okay. Is that so her? Now she's claiming she's Japanese. I don't know what the fuck. She's is this her? Or is this something? Some meme? <laughs> well, she hasn't gotten any skinnier. Oh man, the fucking frosty tips. Let's see here. I'm honored and proud of how Moroccan team and fans reacted to European media's horrendously racist and Islamophobic coverage of us. We were compared to ISIS, monkeys, criminals, yet when racist Europeans acted barbaric, we acted with class. When that goes all over, no, 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 no. the French team are the monkeys. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> right. Be clear about that. Be clear. Great. Who was she saying was being called monkeys? I guess the Moroccans. I mean, I'm sure somebody in France did. Probably. Well, you know, you know, you know who was calling the Moroccans monkeys, like, like the sub-Saharan niggers that were trying to claim them as, as like theirs. Like that's that's where the that's where the real like right. Is They're saying on. like Morocco <laughs> was black. Yeah, it's like no, Morocco's no like how dare you call us monkeys? Wow, she's that's really, basically what happened. She's really butthurt over France, and she loves the Mbappe. Of course, she does. That's so funny. She's mad that France lost. She wanted them to win. Whatever. Dude, these people are incoherent. I don't care. I don't even give a shit about these people. So she's claiming to be a stand-up comedian. She's really look. Funny. Why are we even talking about this girl? I, how would she, how would this lolcow? People want Lolkel content. Orphan to. It's just a cow. She's always been a. Lolkel. Oh my god! Yeah. A lot of a lot of Mbappe copes. Are people even going to remember Mbappe oh, by the time this gross. airs? Poor Mbappe. Oh. Apparently Mbappe getting a hug from Macron is like a big deal. People are talking about it, Mike. I can't find that image again, though. Yeah, no, I remember seeing it. You showed it to me like this morning. Yeah. It was just in the feed, but now it's just gone. You know what else is funny? Mm. 
You know what the final battle of Alan B's invasion of Palestine was called? Mbappe. Battle, the Battle of Megiddo. It was literally Armageddon. Jesus. So, like Armageddon. Here's 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 the thing, Christians. Armageddon already happened. It's happening. You want to see some gross-looking shit? All right, what? Who gives a fuck about this stupid brawl? We're talking about hey, important man, things. Sarah, Sarah Harvard used to be a, a part of our past. Not mine. I never gave a shit about her. Yeah, I, I was puzzled by you guys caring about this bridge. So she's identifying as a Japanese, like Muslim now. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I had Dude, a middle school what? teacher who was such a bitch. She told the whole class that Islam what, is. What is that shit on her, like, neck roll? What is that? She's doing the Islam bit. I'm a Gemini. <laughs> Writing isn't just a form of expression, it's also a form uh, of emancipation. Oh man, you're even fatter than last time I saw you. Muslim at any size. Yeah! <laughs> Got, like makeup kink, yeah, like, nervous kink laughter, over whatever that's... the hell's growing out of her neck. That's a great name for whoever she's working because none of this shit is funny. Nervous laughter. <laughs> I better laugh or she might eat me. <laughs> I can't even imagine like nervously laughing. I would just sit there like, what am I? What is? Well, nervously laughing at her appearance, really. Like I hope no one notices that I'm just being a bigot right now. See, I don't, I don't nervously laugh. Mm. I just laugh. <laughs> it's it's absurd. It's 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 an it's absurd. It's See, Armageddon already happened, and this is what you got. That's my, That's kind of what my point. Right? That's kind of why, where I wanted to, to take like, that. Right? Like this is just one of many examples. It's not. This isn't even the worst example. Well, this is. This, this isn't even. This isn't even her most like outlandish like career path that she attempted to embark on. Like now it's like fat stand up comedian. <laughs> like she was. She was. I remember she was on one of those. Remember those shows on like MSNBC or CNN where they they had like the live pollster room and you're like twisting the dial. Like she got onto one of those. She was an intern at one of the uh, one of the big news corps. Yeah. And they they like interviewed her for how to use like Snapchat or something. It was the weirdest shit. She this weird little like. She must really, have some kind of connection. She had to, some to, connection to somebody because she has the weird. She has the weirdest like deep fat yeah. footprint in the in like the American mainstream media. But it ha- she hasn't for years. But this is the first time I thought of her. It's funny she's doing stand up comedian. She's just like. Oh my God! Using is, com- I mean, is she even? Is that not just also like oh, a years uh, old video? That one's from 2019. There you go. There's a chapter. Hold on. There's a chapter called "Using Comedy as Therapy." With comedy, I was able to kind of use it as therapy. I started nervous laughter in May 2019. There are a lot of parallels within journalism and stand-up comedy. Oh I noticed God. that there weren't a lot of spaces. Space. Not enough space for my not a lot of spaces. I mean, for you to fit in, that's for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's not a lot of comedy spaces. Not, not enough spaces just, with just, the like, literally too small. Some of, these, some of these seedy little comedy clubs, I couldn't even fit in them. <laughs> these little basement clubs. Is it like being on an airplane? And you have to book two seats. Like she has to book. Oh, oh, oh! You don't like interruptions. Well, this is a different kind of an interruption. This is a pre-recorded interruption to remind you that you wouldn't be hearing this interruption if you would actually pony up, support our work here at TRS. And buy a subscription to the show. It's only ten dollars a month, uh, un- un- unless you're using like eChecks. Then there's some extra fees because the eChecks fucking suck. Don't use those. The point is, we need your support. You can't use credit cards anymore. It's kind of a pain in the balls, but we still need you to help us out. And if you're enjoying the content, uh, these silly commercials will go away. We won't bother you anymore if you just do. So go to the right stuff. Biz slash paywall. Uh, make an order. You can use eChecks. You can mail in a money order. You can use 
a bunch of different cryptocurrencies, all which suck and are annoying, but we'll get it figured out. Or you can go to my Odyssey channel, Uncle Spend's Other Tone Stream, and you can uh, give me a donation there and send me a screenshot of the transaction. We'll get you figured out. So, yeah. I guess any second now we'll go back to the show. I don't know when because I don't want these to be quick and predictable so that you can't just skip through them to make them go away. So this one's going to be a little extra long. But yeah, you need a subscription. You need a subscription. Two clubs the same night so you can perform. <laughs> you book two comedy clubs. <laughs> uh, my dad is Moroccan, uh, so that makes me Latino. <laughs> I want to create... My mom's Japanese, my dad's Moroccan, so that makes me Latino. All right. A space for them to not only... That's a big oof for me. That's like the kind of racial humor you can do in 2019 or whatever the hell year this yeah, was. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you get away with that in 2022. Well, oh, my God. You probably could because she's brown and no one cares. Yeah. So you could probably say whatever. I don't even care, but, man, that was really funny. She could even say, like, I'm, that makes me a nigger. I think, you know, you know what's like, good about this video? It's like watching, like, really fat people, like, do things. <laughs> hopefully, like, hopefully that, like... That they, that you don't, they're like hoping you don't notice like how fat they are. They're trying to like overcome it. It's like, nah, just like get on a treadmill and like overcome it and then come back and do comedy or something. I don't know. Like this is America. This is America. Like being really fat is not a unique enough experience anymore where you can like tell people about it and they're like kind of shocked. It's like you have those like big zits on your face and you're like all gigantic and people are just like, yeah, I get that. It's relatable, but not in a way that's entertaining. It's like, don't remind me. Don't remind me about how terrible my fucking bowel movements are. <laughs> okay, so there's a thing from her on like MSNBC. Yeah. Uh speaking on like Muslim shit after Trump was elected. I don't even really want to watch it. Oh, I want to watch that. We probably have I watched it. I, I, I do want to watch it. Easy to find. It's the first thing I got when like searching the, her name. She was in the evolution of being like this libertarian locale. <clears throat> Undergraduate know, Sarah. Oh, no, that's not her. That's a much more attractive woman named Sarah. People used to call her Shortford. Yes. There's like some Jewish woman who's also named. Oh no, I see. Hold on. No, this is her too. She got some award. She got some Jewish award. Oh, here I guess. It's like very confusing. Oh my god. Ugh. Oh, look at these people. So they got. Is, are these guys part of the Muslim reaction as well? Like, do they have soy soy boy Muslims? Look at this fucking... What is Wait, this are detail? these French people? What is this? Brick this, TV? This is, yeah, this is the, this is the uh, French uh, soccer team, I guess. <laughs> Let's listen to this for a second. ...woke up what? with a pit in their stomach following the election of Donald Trump, who had made opposition to their growth here in America a centerpiece of his campaign. From those who fear they'd be forced to leave the country to women who are now afraid to wear their hijabs. Yeah, this nigga on the right looks high as fuck. Many are scrambling <laughs> to figure out. He's got like, his head is like expanding like Yakub shit. You know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> what a Trump presidency will mean for them. Joining us today is Sarah Harvey, Muslim staff who regularly reports on religion, race, politics. Welcome to BK Live. Thank you so much for having me here. Absolutely. Okay, so is this before she, live? Yeah, that right. Burger King, Burger King like, live. That that's, like... that's why. She, that's where she thought she was going. She thought she was picking a lunch. Like, I, I, Bur- All live. right. I I, I was going Burger How is her face so much fatter than the rest of her? If that's <sighs> even a, even possible. <sighs> Surprising election results <laughs> yeah. uh, for many. Uh, what would you say? Um, she looks is physically ill. General reaction uh, or some of the. I think it's just like her baseline. Yeah. The, the Muslim. She's like resting, fucking IBS face. Community. 
<laughs> I think a lot of people are still in denial. Uh, I know, for example, I still can't believe that we elected a president that was endorsed by the Ku Klux Klan. First of all, um, and I think a lot of people are. No, wait, but in another, is, is but that, under another, under is, another circumstance, you would say like this country's run by the Ku Klux Klan. It's like another. She's just too. Uh, is there like so a choker dumb. hiding underneath her neck fat? I didn't even notice it. Oh, yeah, look at that. This is just like, this is literally just midwit. This is like a high level midwit. It's not even midwit. This is extreme. This is like, uh, yeah. I've heard of, like, I have Muslim friends that were crying. Um, and <laughs> I know mothers, friends. my mother, myself, my mother I have her, Muslim uh, herself friends that are crying. is, you know, trying to be strong and told me it's okay. You know, just trust in Allah. We'll all be okay. Yo, if I was Muslim, um, I'd be pissed off. I'd be like, why get this fat bitch? Like, why is this fucking fat ham beast representing my community? Like what the fuck? Does, yeah. does she have like a goiter or something? Is that why her, her neck is so huge? It's just, a, who knows? she looks so, like she, she, she should be like the captain of Virginia tech football team. But I think more than anything, it's a sense of uncertainty that's really frightening Muslim Americans. They don't know what their future is going to be anymore. They don't know they're going to have a home in, in next, you know, uh, in January twentieth. So not only um, is it, so it's like, yeah, yeah, not only is it like <laughs> midwit, it's like excessively hyperbolic. Like it's just not. It's not even. None of this is true. It's all bullshit. Really a mixed bag of emotions right now. Some people think that. You know, it's impossible for Donald. She's also Trump lying. To, like, don't, she doesn't you know, talk to any. She doesn't talk to any. No, it's Muslim just made up. It's like making she, this all up. Yeah, <laughs> she does the most like basic bitch person who's never seen yeah. someone of another race before. Like narratives that like a, a somewhere else a Jew made it up. Like, what would uh, what would I say as a Muslim to the, as a response yeah. to Donald Trump? What's presence? like the mm-hmm. bullshit thing that the media would say a Muslim said, and they would they would be crying, they'd be worried they wouldn't have a home, and uh, yeah. Oh my God! So the Muslim, I'm talking to Muslims. Well, why don't those actual Muslims go on? The show, there's man? there's four there's four comments on this video. How many how many views does this have? Probably com- five. How does how does it work? So she takes off like her rice farmer hat and then she puts on her burqa and pretends to be a Muslim. Well, I she guess can, so. she's like Box Day. She can be any race. Sarah A. Harvard, right. we are watching you every day. That's kind of scary. Then the next one is, is Pelican swallowed that school of fish. <laughs> And then there's here to dislike, buy, and then fake news. That's really funny. <laughs> That's good shit. And it says there's nine comments, but I only see four, so the other five must have been fucking like they all got deleted. Community guidelines did for fat shaming. Yeah. <laughs> At least they left that one up about the pelican. That's pretty good. Be heard. Like a herd of whatever kind of fucking steer she is. Fucking cow. It is hilarious. Oh, I don't know. I wish anyway. I knew. I wish I knew why our old friends called her easy. Funny callback. Yeah. Oh, she's why like, I call her Shartverd? Shartverg and, and Easy Man. Maybe she. Maybe she had a famous incident where she sharted. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. People like that often do shart. That's not I mean, not, if you're that fat, no, can you really no, totally no, control man. it? Like, you probably have soiled underwear a lot when, when you get yeah. home at the end of the day. You know what I mean? I mean, Alex maybe has some experience with this as an EMT dealing with bariatric patients. You know, how often are they soiled themselves? I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about Sarah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Longer. I think. I think. Okay, I think we've done enough on her. Yeah. Imagine having to catheterize we, we, her. We got the status update. We found out what she's cat- been going through. Like, <laughs> wait, Mike just asked, what would it be like to catheterize her? I just I wanted to get, <laughs> get again. No. <laughs> See, I just repeated because I don't think you heard it. I heard it. And- no, you didn't hear, you didn't I don't think there's a respirator powerful enough to deal with that. 
Well, then, yeah, that's why you, you get for you. Cheat. Like you have to be on the respirator to get that done. Get that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, right. no, like, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> what was it you were saying? Like these Pajit EMTs can like have. Oh. To- oh, hi guys. Here's another pre-recorded interruption. Not an actual interruption. I'm just here to remind you. We need you to go ahead and pick up a subscription at therightstuff.biz/paywall. You can use money orders. You can use crypto. You can use e-checks. You can even go to my Odyssey channel, Uncle Spend's other tone stream, and you can use your credit card on there to get around the Jews' uh, banishment of our banking services. That works. So you can do that. Until you can't. I don't know. But thanks. We'll be right back to the show now. Dries an obese person while eating it yeah, to us now. immune to it. Yeah, he was, he was joking <laughs> about that. So it's just because you're used to the smell of horrible things. Uh, <laughs> see, I've, I've never experienced any catheterization, That's so I can't identify. That's the one thing they'll do that white people can't. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. Doing the jobs that white people refuse to. No, incapable of doing. You, If you tried, you would pass out. You wouldn't be able to do it. You wouldn't be able to get the job done. Knowing what the job is and not being able to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> know what the job is and completely fail to do it. <laughs> Don't even try. Ah, fuck. Check out. Yeah. No, no. I tend to like uh, catheterizing work. This makes me want to go back to Taylor Lorenz content. At least, at least she's oh, more dude, acceptable she to look Taylor at. Taylor Lorenz look like a fucking ten and a half. Right. Yeah. <sighs> This is going to be a week after the fact. What is the Taylor Lorenz content going to be like? Oh, you just want to look at her? It's like a palate cleanser. We should be honest. Like Taylor Lorenz as a, actually, palate, as a palate cleanser, like a Taylor Lorenz. It's how bad like, things have gotten. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's just how she's done up in that video. She's not that bad looking in that video. She's just older than you thought she was. There's other pictures where she looks like a little bit more, but you know, whatever. Like I said, she, she is a ten compared to uh, Sarah Harvard. That's not terrible. <laughs> Sarah Harvard is ten whoppers. <laughs> Even then, you'd be light. Yeah, that's uh, ain't going on the light side. Here. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, the Eighth Crusade. We might have. We need to digitize that book. We should get it on this business. This like, is that that if that book's not available anywhere? Because I looked on Amazon when you were reading about it, and it yeah, says, it's not available. There's a and listing. It says listed, yeah. you can't get it. So that means people are only selling the used copies. Someone's got to digitize this shit. So you can uh, well, I guarantee you, there's that. no copyright on it. it could That's what I'm asking. Be like, what could... I wonder if there's even like defensive gotta, yeah, copyright on shit like this. Archive.org. Archive.org. Maybe it's there in de-emphasized collections. Oh. But whoever got this for me, this is a fantastic gift because this is apparently a rare find oh. hard to get, and it's filled with amazing facts. A de-emphasized collection. Is that a thing they do? Oh, you that's... haven't you didn't know that's where they put they put Nazi stuff or anti-Jewish stuff in archive.org. They haven't wow. taken it off, but they put it in a section called de-emphasize doesn't collection. That, doesn't that emphasize others. it kind of like when you when you met, when you point out this is de-emphasize? Not really. This I mean, not... it's it's a funny category name, but I think that that reflects like it, you know you have to be very specific in looking for it to find it. What if oh, I do? Yeah. So if I just search like the eighth crusade crusade, will I get it? Searching it now, it's spinning sometimes. Oh, uh, no. Uh, maybe. I'm getting a lot of stuff about... Let me, let me, let me be more specific. Archive.org takes a little while. It spins for it a while. Does. It's trying no, to I didn't get it. I got 8th Crusade British Staff Officer. Let me see. What if I try uncensored? Uncensored. Well, I'm just too hot keywords here. Too hot for publication. Too hot for the library. 
You might get a PDF jack. Even Controversy of Zion, you could still get. But Controversy of Zion is a little is like way kookier than this. This is like much more. <laughs> there's like all kinds of weird conspiracy stuff in there. This is like very straightforward. That, that reminds me, one of the Twitter accounts I'd forgotten about was Canary Mission, which is literally about protecting Zionism. Like, they yes. go after people. Oh, yeah, no, it's not even, they don't even pretend like it's anything else. It's it's not for people saying anything anti-Semitic, it's when people are anti-Zionist. Yeah, they're anti-Israel, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, now, are you we are also kidding? on <laughs> And for a while, they only, it was only about going after leftists. But one of the things they discovered was that when they only went after leftists, it didn't, the le- it didn't bother the leftists that were on there. They considered it sort of like a badge of honor. So they yeah. started putting Nazis up there, and then they started extracting apologies and confessions from these leftists by putting them up on a site next to people next to like them. us. Oh, I see, I see, okay. Yeah, That's that started working for them. They actually get it, started getting leftists to like buckle and back down. Because you just put them up there with a bunch of other leftists, they don't care. Yeah. But if you're like, yo, look at yo, you're anti-Zion, look at like Nazis are, oh, oh my God, I'm sorry, I never realized how much hurt I was causing. I've been educating myself. Yeah, <laughs> I've been reading Gemma Rudolph. I've educated myself. Oh yeah, boy, was I have I been educating myself? <laughs> no, I have more questions now. <laughs> yeah, so we, let me see. Let me see if I can find myself. It's like I have a profile here. Why can't I have it on Twitter? <laughs> I never even asked for my account on this site, dude. If you go to that site. There's like some there's some like actual Muslim woman like screaming into a microphone. They they uh, go out, they go after Muslims a lot, which yeah. yet again probably not a very good strategy. Well, no, it's their strategy. It's their strategy for right uh, to win the right over to Zionism. It's the Jewish. I wish uh, I wish that the right would pass that shit test. I do that. Hey, it's your worst possible nightmare. It's the sound of Borzoi interrupting whatever wonderful talking point Mike is making right now, interrupting your own train of thought. And you're in this position listening to me right now, well, because you're listening to the free version of this show. You're not even getting all the content, and now you have to listen to me. Is this what you want? Is it really? This is the, You want to hear this? You want to hear me? That just can't possibly be what you want. So if you want to rectify that issue, go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall. You can make one-time donations and get three months, six months, even a year. So why are you doing this to yourself? This has to be especially troubling because I'm not even going to check the audio on how this sounds. So you could also be listening to just terrible audio right now. So why not just stop doing this to yourself and get behind the paywall at the rightstuff.biz slash paywall? Here's my... Maybe if I take out my first name, just put my last name, maybe I'll find myself. Yeah, here I am. Ha! Mike Painovich. Can I demand a profile? Whoa, it's long. Holy shit. Really? Well, so our track this is fucking put in a lot of work. You've put in a lot of work. Oh, wait, they say support for BDS. On May 13th, 2020, Painovich tweeted... BDS was the best thing to come out of the leftist Palestine movement in recent years. When I left such circles years ago, BDS was only being talked about. Now there are laws against it. So at some point, they didn't put a scare into Jews. Everyone should support BDS. On the same day, Painovich tweeted, the idea that a U.S. citizen cannot boycott Israel and still do business with their own government is intolerable. Painovich, they, again, they don't ever bother to say, like, why I shouldn't say these things. Just, oh, this is bad for Israel. 
And it was also tweeted on May 13th, 2020, the Palestine issue is a weak point for Jewish power. Europeans don't like it. The majority of Europe has for years sympathized more with Palestinians. Working against BDS takes a lot of Jewish time, effort, and money. Why should they have an easy time of things? I stand by all of these statements. I guess this is why I eventually got kicked off of the planet. They have me they have me blocked. Canary Mission has blocked me. Probably because I was in there talking about how unpopular they were. Oh, as of February 2020, Painovich's Twitter bio stated, no blood for, and then I have a Jewish flag. Okay, base. Wow, I forgot how based my Twitter was. On April, look, this is great. On April, I'm just going through. I, that is a better record of my tweets than I have myself. On April 16th, 2019, Painovich tweeted, this is why anyone that says an alliance between U.S. and right-wing Zionism can be made is wrong. Also, uh, us, meaning uh, not U.S., between us and white not. Also, why the Palestinian struggle is relevant to our own. The tweet was in response to a tweet by another prominent white nationalist blogger, Paul Ramsey, which read group plans to relocate Palestinians to Europe and America as part of the ethnic cleansing of Israel. On July 1st, 2019, Painovich tweeted all parties that promote anti-immigration and also pimp Zionism need to be called out and not supported. You will get all the Zionism and none of the anti-immigration. They're using you. Any party supporting Israel must be opposed. Show me a party that's promoted Zionism and actually done anything on immigration other than make it worse. Man. Wow, I forgot how base these tweets were. Smash. Oh, right. That's... Holy smokes, <sighs> that's me. All right, well, uh, the uh, the Southern AF guys are ready to go, so we're going to take a break here. And- <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> this, is, this is okay. On June 7, 2020, Painovitz tweeted... Blacks will never be supreme. Africa is evidence of this. In America, black supremacy just means that black people will be allowed to commit crimes and no one will stop them. <laughs> Very prescient. <laughs> well, that was because it was in the it was in twenty twenty. It wasn't even prescient. It was just mm. watching. It was just observing what was going on. All right, cool. Let's get Dingo, Dingo and Jack. Let's do that. We'll have them on in just a moment. You are listening to the Daily Show. As racist and sexist as they can be. We're gonna offend you, isn't it funny? La 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 la! <laughs> Alright, we're back with two Africans. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Southern Dingo and Boer Jack. <laughs> yes, that's me. This is gonna be the Southern He must have been thrilled. With the performance of the first ever African team to lose the World Cup to Argentina. Mm. <laughs> I don't get the reference. Um, no, no, because Morocco. Neither do I. Morocco made it to like the semifinals, and they were saying, like, oh, isn't it? It's like the furthest an African team has ever gotten. But of course, African, as we know. No, France. France got the furthest. <laughs> it could be any, it could be one of three races, basically. Does Dingo and speak French? Only one of them is Blake. Dingo, can you say Onion? The- onion. No? Yeah, you got to spice it down with the Onion. Like that dude <laughs> yeah. on, like the guy on Facebook. He's some grits, dude. Some shrimps. You know that guy's like a bum? cop? Huh? Like, is that guy a cop? Yeah that, guy, yeah, that guy's a cop. The one that does the cooking show. And he's like a, he's a Cajun. Yeah. He's apparently a cop. And he was involved. He was a passenger on a boat that hit another boat. And they put the guy on the suspended leave or whatever. So now he just cooks crawfish or, and 
for okay. hitting another boat? He was just a passenger. <laughs> he didn't actually do anything wrong, I don't think. Huh. Mm. Did he lose a bunch I don't know of, what you're talking about. Did you lose a bunch of guns? It's a boating accident. You're supposed to, that's when you lose yeah, your just, maybe that's what You're supposed to lose your yeah. guns. It's like I don't have that anymore. I lost it in a boating accident. Anyway, Boy Jack, I feel like he's not like a rude American, so he's just waiting for us to greet him so he can speak. Hello, sir. It's nice to have you finally. Good evening. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever actually heard this guy. Uh, Dingo has talked about him endless. Wait, what? Mike was going to say what? Did we all miss that? Is that because this is the free fag edition? Go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall for your subscription today. But this is the first time I think we've ever okay. had him on a show. No, Boer Jack. Yeah, we've never had him on before. Yeah. Yeah, we never had him. What number is South Is he like, who else did we have? You had Jan Lamprecht. Who else did we have from See the Africa? See the Africa. See the Africa. We haven't had Elon Musk yet. No. Yeah, no, I don't, we're trying. We're trying to book him, but we we're getting stonewalled. We should, we should put a poll on our site. Should we have Elon Musk? And he has to come on if everyone votes yes. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah we... if everyone says yes, then he has to do it, right? That would actually be a good... I mean, look, Elon. The people have Everyone spoken. voted yes. Like, 100 people. Hundred thousand people. I bet you everybody would would log on to vote for that. So yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, the so funny thing a... about Jan Lambrechts is he's actually Rhodesian, so he's he's not really oh. a boot, you know. So yeah, I don't I don't want to get involved in your in like weird in, in those kind of disputes. No infighting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he lives in South Africa, though I believe. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. We had him on the show. He he actually educated us about much of the history of South Africa. Uh, I'm not sure if he's the guy on Co- the Kodo forum that goes by the name Lamprecht. I think it might be because he always that that guy speaks positively about us a lot. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Jan Lamprecht does do uh, a lot of good stuff in South Africa. You know, mm-hmm. um, he came from Rhodesia and he moved to South Africa. But he's not. What I mean by it is he's not authentically, you know, a boot. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's British. As, uh, right? Elon Musk is also. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lambrecht is actually a boor surname, you know. But mm-hmm. what happened with uh, when they tracked to um, Rhodesia, a lot of guys just assimilated with the English culture, and you know they left sort of their Afrikaans roots behind. Right. Well, I heard from William Thoreau that anybody could be a boor, even a black guy. Was, well, that was yeah. According was to Louis a, Thoreau, like, <laughs> why can't a black person be a boar? You have to. What do you have to well, be? You have to be one with nature. You have to. Oh, he had a bunch of. He had, like, a, let's he, had a, he had a. He had like bullet points it's of like. Simple, it, it's very simple. Yeah. You you have to be able to run your fingers through your hair. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you won't get scalped by Velcro. Like oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a well, fucking. No, the, it was something like you have to be. Uh, it was basically you had to speak out for cons. You have to have a history of living here. You have to be Christian, blah blah. blah. They had a number of of um, requirements. Yeah, it was a bunch of Boer mindset stuff. It was like things you could just like convert yeah, to. But Boer it's like, mindset. but it's like, um, there's a little bit more than a mindset. There's sort of a genetic, uh, a little bit of what, a. That yeah. was what Tara Blanche was saying. He's like, you you literally can't not be white. Like that's pretty is pretty basic. Like it's absolutely absurd for you to even ask this question. Like frankly, like. It's like saying, but my question was like, well, okay, so why don't you? Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, go. Oh, initially, it was a requirement. 
that you had to be, you know, you had to be white. You had to be of um, the better European stock. So you, um, they explicitly said that there needed to be uh, when when they came here, um, like in the 1600s or, or was it mm. the 1700s? You had to have good moral character, so good uh, moral values, not you know uh, degenerate. Uh, you had to be white. You had um, you had to be of the Protestant faith. So that was initially uh, a, a requirement. Um, but with the Boer War, you know, as things progressed, we we later on had Irish and. Uh, even Russians joining uh, the Boers in the war, and they were, uh, you know, accepted into the fray. It's actually um, a big. The Boer identity is a big testament to the potential of white nationalism. You know, mm-hmm. to create an entire, you know, culture and ethnic group on its own if white people just band together and collectivize on a racial pretext. Yeah, that's actually interesting. Uh, I knew that there was certain things, and of course, even now I've heard from people down in South Africa, you can comment on this better than I can, that even um, some English, like the Boers, are willing to have, like, <laughs> in the face of the racial aggression from blacks, you know, not non-elite English people, not like the, you know, and we are the Jews and stuff like that in Johannesburg or whatever, but like the, uh, basically the working class, middle class English people, they're willing to at least have some kind of sort of racial oh, yes. solidarity with them. Oh, 100%. Yeah, no, oh, 100%. <clears throat> a lot of English people, you know, assimilated to our culture and they adopted it. But, you know, <clears throat> they what they do in South Africa is there's, there's this big um, organization, or I say big, relatively speaking, um, they're called AfriForum, the big friends with Tucker Carlson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yes, they've yes, got yes. this idea. It's actually rooted in the ideas of a man called Jan Hofmeier. Now, Hofmeier, you know, Meyer, you know, mm. um, he started this idea in 1886, where he said that we need to include everybody that speaks Afrikaans and practices the Afrikaans culture into the Afrikaans and the Boer culture or the Afrikaner cultural identity and racial identity or whatever. And today, they are pushing this heavily. And this specific group called AfriForum rejects white nationalism, condemns white nationalism, and says that they are part of a culture, a culture, the Afrikaans culture. Oh, man, I forget the word now. But it's basically a group, uh, a cultural group, right? So anybody that practices, uh, that speaks Afrikaans, that is... Uh, a Christian that, uh, you know, eats like we eat, speaks like we speak, irregardless of race or regardless of race, uh, is welcome, according to them, to our group. But the Boers historically take great pride in their racial Mm -hmm. identity. And you are, you used to be very shunned and you were pushed out of the community completely Oh, hi. Here's another interruption that's pre-recorded. Go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall and pay for a subscription. We need your support. We need your help. We can't do this for free because we're Jews. If you had any mixed blood, um, <clears throat> so it's just a little interesting. So thing. is that uh, – so you're saying that guy was uh, was Jewish. Who, who, who stands 
yeah, so Af- Afroforum. Okay, yeah, Afroforum. I've got their website up here. Civil rights organization that mobilized Afrikaners, Afrikaans speaking people, and other minority groups in South Africa and protects their civil rights, so they say. Yeah, hmm. that's the kind of thing that, like, because there are Americans who do pay attention on the periphery. A lot of it's very difficult sometimes to know what's going on in South Africa, but understand that bad things are happening to white people. And these are bad things that are happening on a racial basis. So these are racial crimes being committed. And uh, that's the motivation for them. And, of course, just like in America, the response to racial crimes against whites is this. Let's have a multicultural thing that doesn't care about race. Right. Um, and that's the whole reason for conservatism. So, of course, they would gravitate towards <laughs> anti-whiteness similarly. versus anti-racism. The eternal right. struggle it's, in which yeah, we lose you every meet, time. You, you, you get confronted with anti-whiteness and your response is, let's have a coalition of all the races. Right. And it's like that yes. would be fine if it was if it was explicitly pro-white. Like I'm willing to accept a non-white ally, but the cause is white people. And there are plenty there are non there are some non-whites that are willing to sign up for that, at least as one of the things that they they support. But I'm not doing this like where we're just this raceless, identityless thing. It's about the language and the culture. It's like, really, is that why they're killing? Is that why whites are being murdered in South Africa? Well, language and culture. <laughs> no, it's on a racial level. But I'd like to put yeah. it into perspective. There's a historical uh, historian. Historian, sorry, apologize for my English, but his name's Eric Stockenstrom. Uh, Stockenstrom, okay, and he wrote. Up until the, I think, 17th century, there was only one white, uh, there was only one race in South Africa. And when the English arrived, then there was two races. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, the history, yeah, the history of South Africa is, I think, you know, it's, it's very important to see things in context. Okay. So, we came here uh, with the Dutch East Indian Company. And initially it was just as a halfway post, right, for the Dutch East Indian Company, for the, you know, for the West Indies Company, um, to restock. And then later on, they needed more people to man the fort and more and more mi- white people migrated there. So they started forming their little offshoot, um, <clears throat> how do you say, culture and later the Germans and the French joined in. So now it was the Dutch, Germans and the French. And the Dutch and the English tried to control this colony all, all, the, all the while. But you had this subculture developing, right? And they wanted to be left alone. And the number one reason as is quoted why they left the Cape Colony is because one of... Uh, the, the main of the track leaders, you know, he said that if we stay behind in the Cape, we will always, they left because of forced racial integration. Mm-hmm. Back then, you know, in the, sev- uh, in the early, uh, in uh, 1834, uh, then they said that if we stay here, we will be forced to integrate and our children will be made the slaves of blacks and English and therefore we will move 
and we will create for ourselves our own destiny and our own future. So that's the premise on which they left the Cape Colony. Interesting. Interesting. So do you mind if I ask you some some sort of uh, South African uh, questions, uh, if you will, uh, based on my own knowledge of, of South African history and uh, some some figures in South African history? I'm, I'm kind of curious about a South African perspective on this. What's your opinion of Jan Smuts? I hate him and I wish <laughs> <he had it. laughs> That's my boy. I knew it. Yes. Good, 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 good. Glad to hear it. <laughs> it's an interesting thing, dude. You know, so they say Jan Smits was the smartest man to live in South Africa. Um, and it's interesting, the kind of people that tell you that, you know. It's smart because he took every side. Yes. Depending on, what, yes. Depending on the circumstances. Yeah, anyway, yes, go ahead. Exactly. So, so Jan Smits was one of the biggest traitors, and he actually killed my personal hero, you know, Joopi Furi. Um, Yopi Furi fought on the Boer side during the Anglo-Boer War, and after the Anglo-Boer War, there was a rebellion when the English brought in two, and the Jews brought in 200,000 blacks to work on the mines, okay? So what mm -hmm. they did was, they scorched the, the rural countryside to force the white people to move to the cities. Because at one point in South African history, um, it was a whites-only country. You have to understand that. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And yeah. then, Listen to this. This is crazy statistics. 96% of the white people living in South Africa lived on the rural countryside and were agricultural. This is pretty annoying, huh? All this can go away. You bought a paywall. Rightstuff.biz slash paywall. Cultural. Oh, how do you say that? They were mm, that's agriculturalists, right. you know? Yeah, so yeah, they farmers, were yeah. the farms. They were farmers, right? And then... Um, Cecil John Rhodes, uh, he initiated the Anglo-Boer War. And there's a guy yeah. in South Africa called Harry Oppenheimer. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with the Oppenheimer mining family. To this day, they're very prevalent uh, in South Africa and also in, in, in global affairs to some extent. Now, Harry Oppenheimer was one of the major funders of Cecil John Rhodes. And he mm -hmm. said, in a speech in 1970 on the 12th of August in Grahamstown University when they commemorated the Jameson invasion of Transvaal, yep. that uh, Cecil John Rhodes was wrong in trying to destroy the poor people of Transvaal <coughs> using violence outright in, 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 you know, in the traditional sense. If we were to conquer the Boers, it needed to be – and to achieve – our goal of a, un of a racially integrated world, you have to understand that what happens in South Africa is extremely relevant for the rest of the white world because this plan that they have is offset in South Africa. They wanted to use us as a test subject to gain the minerals and also see how white people would you know, uh, react in the circumstances. So he said that we needed to be destroyed, but with a bloodless revolution. He physically is quoted as saying the Boers of Transvaal needed to be destroyed because we can have nobody that takes pride in their national identity in yeah. South Africa or the rest of the world. So you mentioned the Jameson invasion. Now I haven't read. Oh, I haven't read. Uh, I'm like I'm like rusty. Okay, I'm a little rusty on this history. Now that was a 
now Jan Smuts, he's a curious figure to me because, you know, he was a prime minister of South Africa and um, he, he fought on both sides of these of these wars between, you know, the English and the Boer sides and the um, and the different republics that you had that ultimately became amalgamated into South Africa, uh, which was an English project, by the way, to do that. But um, he then when he died. He actually said that, like, one of the greatest honors of his life was to be instrumental in, like, the foundation of the state of Israel. So, like, he was – he actually was a Zionist first and foremost, although he's not a Jew. But I believe it was he that partly instigated or worked with Jameson to, like, to, to kind of gin up that – the the <clears throat> the pretext for that invasion. I don't know. This is very – for Americans, at least, probably very – Relevant to South Africans, most Americans don't know anything about any of this. Uh, do you want to just give a quick overview of what the Jameson invasion was? The Jameson invasion was basically a provoke provocation, right? So yes, and and what had a lot to do with that. Yes, they started it. They wanted to plan it. They wanted to lure us into this war. We had prior to the Jameson invasion, the English did attack and invade the the republics, and the Boers beat them back. Yeah, but they could not accept this because in order to, to go to the rightstuff.biz/paywall for your subscription today.